told you several weeks ago that I thought that I might have been imagining things, seeing someone who wasn't there, him, the one from the tower you may have guessed by now. You would have guessed right. I know now that I should have trusted my own senses, my own intelligence. They've never failed me before, have they? If there is one thing in this world that I can trust, it's myself. I know this because I saw him again. I saw him as I walked through your world at night. I don't know how he functions. I don't know where he travels and why, or how fast, or how he moves. I'll tell you as much as I know about him, in time. But specifics continue to elude me, just as he continues to elude me. But why does he occasionally torment me like this? I walked down one of your busier streets. I'm fascinated by these bright, loud, overcrowded places. I am more confident now as I go through them, as I pass the delicious restaurant smells, the large signs that have beautiful videos of models or action films or perfume advertisements, the people standing on soapboxes and screaming into a loudspeaker about hell and damnation and redemption. The noise, the juxtaposition, it's amazing. I was walking. I was even bolder in my costume than before. I don't need to hide as much as I thought. No matter how frightening I look, how strange, how... I'll say it for the first time. Undead. I am not alone. I am ignored. I pass, unnoticed and accepted. I was me. I can be whatever I want, wear whatever I want. Oh, it's a gift I never thought I would have. But as I waited at an intersection for a light to switch from a forbidding red hand to a welcoming white walking man, and the countdown read ten, nine, eight. I saw him. On the other side of the intersection. Staring right at me. He had no intention of crossing the street. He was there to look at me. And I could have sworn that the red countdown on the sign paused at seven. Or at least it felt like it did. His black, shining eyes watched me without blinking. He still had that same cloak, that same outfit from out of time. From what time, I would never be able to guess. He smiled, slowly exposing those sharp, jagged, pearl-white teeth. As I stood there, frozen, he slowly raised his hand up, 
his fingers gracefully unfolding to reveal their terrifying length and those long black nails. And he slowly, gently waved. Four, three, two, one. The light changed. He didn't cross the intersection. He simply stood there. I did the same. I didn't know whether I should run away or go to him. This has never been clear to me in my centuries and centuries of this life. And the crowds of people pushed past us, and we maintained eye contact for as long as we could until it was broken by the mass of travelers cutting us off. And by the time they passed out of my line of view, he was gone. I know now that he has followed me. I know also that he cannot touch me, as he said he can't hurt me. So, why am I so afraid? And why am I so disappointed that he is gone? What do I want? What does he want? Do my stories reach you? Do they affect you? Is there something that you want? Are you there? What can I do? What else can I do other than be what I am? It is not good. I never claimed to be good. Magnificent and splendid and powerful, but not good. What does your world want me to be? What do you want me to be? I'll try. I'll try to be it. Just reach back to me. That's all. Please. Do you want another story? I've got one. I've got thousands. There was a lonely widow once. Her husband had been gone about one year, and the grief was still fresh. You see, throughout their long years of marriage, she had had no need of friends or comrades. She had him. He was her everything. They spent every hour together. In the prime of their lives, his work took him away from home very often, but it would not do for them to be apart. So she went with him. They traveled the world and saw places new and ancient. They saw the wonders of the natural and modern world. They explored the tallest mountains and the deepest caves, the darkest jungles and the wildest cities. They saw creatures most people only read about in books. The sights they saw could have filled an entire wall of encyclopedias. But then one day, he was gone. And she had no one. I mean, visitors, servants, well-wishers, a little family. But no one close. No one who was enough to make up for him. No one. She passed a year where she wore black. 
She let herself weep and she let herself grieve, but it didn't go away. It wasn't denial or unacceptance. It was simply extreme sadness and a loneliness that was more insurmountable than the tallest mountains, more profound than the deepest cave, more terrifying than the darkest jungle more electrifying than the wildest city. It was all of these things, and yet it was empty. Until she could bear it no longer. She sought out a group, one she had only read about and had not put much stock in before now. A group of people, some spiritualists, some in mourning, some curious, and some skeptical, the reason they came together was inconsequential. They had one goal, to contact the dead. She went to a small parlor in the middle of town where it was being hosted. There were few pleasantries beforehand. A drink, a tray of hors d'oeuvres, a bit of talk of the weather and why everyone was there. She indulged these things as little as she felt she could get away with. The rules were mentioned. Don't give away information. Don't assume that a spirit is who they say they are. They're tricky and manipulative spirits. Some are malicious. Take care and don't trust anyone. And then the seance started. Nothing terribly unexpected. A round table, lit candles, shadow and quiet hands touching, forming an unbroken circle. And the leader, the one with the so-called psychic powers, called out to the spirits to make themselves known. One knock for yes, two for no. All is expected. Is someone with us? Yes. Do you know someone here? Yes. Did you know them in life? Do you mean us harm? Do you remember how you died? Vague, expected. She didn't dare to hope that it was him. She was not a fool. She knew it could likely be a hoax. Blow out a candle in front of the person you knew in life. The flame in front of our widow was snuffed out. She still didn't hope. Show us a sign. A window blew open. Show us a sign. The table shook. Show us a sign. All of the candles went out. They sat in darkness. Some screamed, some wept. Some observed in awe. She simply sat still and quiet. Nothing unexpected. Not him. So, nothing. But in that room, there was a mirror. And in that mirror, which stood across from her as she sat in the dark, she saw the form of a man. Just the shape of him, just a silhouette. About the right height and build, facing her and only her. And though she couldn't see his eyes, she knew he was staring right at her. She stared for some time, 
everything around her seeming to slow down and everyone else's panicked, amused, or inquisitive voices fading away to the background. He raised a hand to the glass, just a silhouette of a hand. Her eyes grew moist in... What was it? Shock? Fear? Glee? And slowly, very slowly and knowingly, she broke out into a gentle smile. Someone turned the bright lights on in the room finally. Everyone looked around at one another at the open window, at the extinguished candles. But slowly, everyone's attention joined hers as they all silently turned to the mirror directly across from her, which had one large crack through it. She went home that night, thrilled to begin making plans to join them again. Perhaps have a little more confirmation of what in her mind she knew to be true. That it was him. That he was as desperate to reach out as she was. She bid her servants good night and went to her bedroom, made her preparations, and got in bed. She lay there for an hour, perhaps, her eyes unable to close for the events that had transpired that night. She heard a knock at her bedroom door. As I said, there were servants in this wealthy household, so she assumed something had occurred. She sat up inside and called out, What is it? Silence. And then three more knocks. What is it? She said louder this time. Silence. Three more knocks. She sat there for a moment, unmoving, then quietly... She said, Is it you? A very long pause, then... One for yes. Was that you tonight? A long pause. She whispered, Come in. And the doorknob slowly creaked as it turned and the door slowly creaked as it opened just a sliver. And she smiled. The next day, little things, a picture frame gently falling over. The feeling of being watched, returning to rooms to find doors open, things that had not been there before. And a servant would go to put it away or close a door or put things right, and she would cry, No, leave it! It's there for a reason. And the staff avoided her more and more. <laughs> Good, she thought. Let me be alone with him. Let me be alone with my husband. But it wasn't enough. It became an obsession. All-consuming. She had psychics come over and perform some tasks. Automatic writing so she might read his thoughts. Entering a trance to speak in his words. Ectoplasm, seances, spirit boards, scrying. She would ask questions, things only her husband would know. 
she revealed nothing to these people, and no medium that visited could pass her test. The liars, the charlatans, the con artists. She tried on her own, then. She studied and studied how to commune with the dead. Let him tell me himself, then. I will speak to him with my own voice, my own hands. One night she set out a Ouija board. She sent the servants away. She lit candles. She offered a prayer of protection. She began. The spirit guided the pointer to the word, Hello. Hello, she answered. Is it you, my love? Yes. The device moved swiftly with her fingers. Are you well? Are you happy where you are? She asked. I am here. He spelled out. I am happy. I need you to tell me something, she said. Something only you would know. Yes, he answered. Something specific it had to be, something very specific. What was the name of our guide on our last trip to the Grand Canyon? It didn't move for some time. She waited patiently. Eventually, very slowly, it started to move. Don't remember, he spelled. What was the name of the hotel we stayed at in Iceland? Don't remember. What was my maiden name? And the pointer slowly slid to the word, Goodbye. And she stayed at the board, and she quietly wept. It couldn't have been him, she thought. And in bed that night, there was a knock at the door. She ignored it. And the next day, picture frames fell, doors opened and closed, someone was watching her. Things ended up where they weren't meant, and she let the servants put them away. And over the next week, the knocking returned louder every night, and she barely slept. Things would be violently thrown at her. Her most precious things began to go missing. Sleepless and afraid for their lives, her servants left her. She was alone in a house of chaos. One night she had had enough. She entered her dining room. It was empty, dark, and cold, with dirty used plates across it. She didn't even bother to light a candle. She sat in a chair at the head of the table. Perhaps a little drunk, she slammed the Ouija board in front of her. Must I use this? She asked spitefully. She lit one single candle. No prayers. No ritual. No respect for this ceremony. She was tired and she was angry. Where are you, you horrible thing? She whispered. Here, he spelled. She didn't even need to touch the board. 
then show yourself. How dare you come into my home? How dare you pretend that you were my husband? How dare you betray me like that? I never did any such thing. A voice whispered in her ear. As her eyes moved up from the board, in the dim light of the single candle, she could see a man's hand settled close to the Ouija board. Pale, the knuckles bloody and scabbed. Her eyes moved upward at the figure standing by the table that she sat at. His clothes were dirty, torn, and in some places stained with blood. And as her eyes landed on his face, he was young. Much younger than her husband, much younger than herself. He had a terrible wound at his temple that was just barely covered by a cap. He had not been wealthy, apparently. And if his eyes and his frown gave any indication, he had not been happy. He stood there, his shoulders moving up and down with what seemed to be angry breaths. She looked up at him, and she was not afraid, as one might expect. She looked at him, her own eyes angry. They simply stared each other down, until finally she asked, Why? You were lonely. You asked for someone. I came. You let me in. Now you want me gone. How dare you betray me? He roared, and the candle fell and was extinguished. The two of them now stood and sat in a dark room, just the light of the moon still showing the woman and the ghost each other's face. My husband? She asked. He shrugged. I have no idea. She sighed. She folded up the Ouija board and set it aside. And she thought for some time. Do you play cards? <laughs> Another story of unlikely companions. Another ending that may not be happy, but perhaps may not be unhappy. Content. Or something. I'm not sure. The thing is, I don't know what's in store for me. I don't even think my story has an ending, if I'm being honest. So even if I was at one point happy, it would not be the end. Which is somewhat terrifying in and of itself. My companion is not unlikely either. He is out there. In fact, he is close now. He wants me to know that. He never brings happiness. He leaves devastation in his wake. He curses as much as he blesses. 
he takes more than he gives. Beautiful and terrible as he is, at least he is company. I think you're listening. I look forward to seeing you again soon. Come back soon. Hi, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of On a Dark, Cold Night. My name is Kristen Zaza. I keep forgetting to say that every time I record this uh, last little bit here, but that is my name. And hello. Thanks for listening. Uh, I don't know if it was your first time or your ninth time or, you know, you've been listening out of order, but uh, welcome and thanks so much for, for joining me. Uh, not much new to add this week. Again, I'm going to be saying it for a little while, so I hope you don't get too annoyed with me. If you're in Toronto and you like the theater and you're up for a really electrifying, thought-provoking kind of show, uh, I'm going to be performing in a play called Punk Rock. Um, it's a play that my theater company, The Howland Company, is producing, and it's uh, going to be running from March 29th to April 14th at Crow's Theater. So if you're interested, tickets and information can be found at howlandcompanytheater.com. Something I've been noticing after starting this podcast is that uh, the horror community and the podcast community, uh, especially the horror podcast community, is really great and welcoming and uh, tight-knit. So um, thanks so much for that, guys. It's it's awesome to be a part of you. Um, As such... Please follow me on social media, Twitter and Facebook. I am at a dark cold night, and on Instagram, I'm dark cold night podcast. Uh, you can email me anytime with any thoughts or questions, or you know, just to say hey at dark cold night podcast at gmail.com. Uh, also, if you could leave a rating and a review on iTunes, that would be awesome. Uh, it would it would just really mean the world to me. Um, or a rating or a review anywhere that you're able to do that is also great. Um, most importantly, word of mouth would be would be fantastic. I'm I'm not really uh, in a position to pay for advertising yet with this, but um, I'd like to reach a bigger audience and you know get the word out about this show. So more than anything, if you could spread the word, share it with a friend who likes horror or has trouble sleeping or you know you think would just dig it, that would be that would be awesome. If you want to support a different way, you can find me on Patreon at patreon.com slash darkcoldnight. And that's just a way if, if you wanted to donate financially, hey, I am all for it. <laughs> um, anyway, thank you guys so much. I hope you've been having a nice start to your march. And uh, yeah, look forward to the next time. Take care, guys. Bye. Bye.